This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Mark chapter 10, I'm gonna jump in for sake of time and um, I'm gonna read about a young man that has a lot of power and a lot of money. This is a disastrous combination. I know a lot of us, we want money and uh, that's cool and all, but aren't you glad that God didn't make you young and rich and powerful because you would have done, messed up your life already. Somebody say amen. This is a young man. He is rich. He's a ruler and he's asking God, what do I got to do to get into heaven? Watch what Jesus says. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal your children's Halloween candy. God forgive me in advance. Um, you shall not give false testimony. I'm lying. Uh, you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was at Sunday school. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I'll just, let me read that one more time. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Can I just ask you a question? Let's pause our reading for one second. Do you have anybody in your world that can look you in the eyes and loves you enough to tell you the truth? So one of the things I love about Jesus is that Jesus loved this young man so much, he looked him in the eyes to engage him and he told him the honest truth. Jesus looked at him and loved him enough to say, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This is an unbelievable story. This is a riveting scripture when Jesus is actually exclaiming to this young man, I love you so much that I know that you've crossed off a lot of the commandments, but I can recognize that there's something missing in your life. Now, please understand me. Most of us are afraid of correction because you've experienced correction in the wrong way. But correction, if you'll really look at it, correction is simply clarity. Jesus is clarifying what this one thing is that's missing from this young man's life. He's not exposing him. He's not making fun of him. He's not belittling him. He's not telling him how awful he is. He's just saying, you know what? I gotta be honest. I know that you've been good since Sunday school. Don't worry, there's just lightning in the church. Um, so you're like, oh God. Yeah, me too. I'm just as afraid, okay? Because we're all going down together, okay? First time here. This is awesome. Um, but Jesus is saying, I, I, um, I love you enough to, well, to tell you the truth. I want to preach a message this morning based out of the thought that really all of your living, if you want a quality life, will be determined by all of your loving. And you really can't separate these two things, living and loving. One of the reasons why Jesus lived so well was because he loved so much. 
want to talk today about how you and I, we have been sent to love people. We haven't been sent to correct people alone, but we've been sent to love people in their darkest days, in their hopeless hours, in their brokenness, in their sin, no matter where they're at on the journey of life, whether they're in church or they're out of church, whether they're in a costume that you approve of or they're in a costume where you're like, oh God, I hope that your dad doesn't see that. Um, well, and um, let's, let's be people of love. I want to preach a message today. If you're taking notes, you can write down the title. It's called, Who Do You Love? Who do you love? Yeah, that's right. Who do you love? And let's pray and let's believe that God will speak to us today. Father, thank you so much for this moment in this setting where we can give our attention and our focus to you. Thank you that you are so gracious, so kind, so loving, and so accepting. Today, we're believing on a morning like today that you can open up our eyes so we can see Jesus, open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit, do something profound and something powerful in us and through us. And God, we are thanking you for tomorrow that you can give us much candy and none of the calories will count. We thank you that my kids, as they go trick-or-treating, that they're going to consume much for their parents. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody say amen. Anybody grow up in church? <laughs> you remember growing up in church, we didn't do Halloween, we did Holyween? It was like, it was like, no, we still celebrating it because just because it's a bunch of chili and it's like a cookout, we're still in our costumes and we're still eating king size Snicker bars. But, but, but whether you, you're a Halloween or Halloween, I want to say, go get you some candy tomorrow. Somebody say amen. Uh, uh, when I use the word love, like when I use that word, the L-O-V-E, what is, what is the connotation that comes to your mind? Like what, what strikes you about that word? What is the association of the word love? When I hear the word love, I, I, I immediately begin to think of like um, cards and flowers and chocolates and watching Stranger Things with my wife on the couch because that's what you do when you love somebody, you watch Netflix with them. And um, immediately when I think of the word love, I think of my wife, I think of my, my son, my kids. Like this morning, my son woke up and I, I couldn't wait for him to wake up. I heard him wake up. I went to his bedroom. He was sitting Indian style on his bed. I was like, well, this is a little bit freaky. Let's just hug you real fast. I don't know what happened last night. Let's just, let's just embrace. Embrace grace, son. Right, come in. Come in for the real thing real fast. So I think about my kids. I love them. I, I, I think about friends. I think about uh, food. You know I love some food. Come on, somebody. I, there's some certain things that when the, the word love comes to mind, what, 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 what happens for you? I want to land this morning, and I believe that love, a great definition of it, love is choosing the greater good or what's best for the other person. When you love someone, you choose what's best for them. When you love someone, you're actually interested in what's good for them, not good for yourself. I want to talk this morning about our living, which will actually equate to our loving. I'm going to give you a few things to write down this morning, but write down the first thought, which is so powerful. Our living is a result of our loving. So how well you live is predicated on how well you love. You cannot live well and love poorly. Let me say it another way. You cannot live well and have no love. 
Love is the main thing. Love is the definition. By the way, the, all of the prophets and all of the laws are summed up into two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as what? A little bit louder. As your what? As yourself. Love people as yourself. Jesus is teaching us that our living it actually comes from our loving. Now, this is so important that you understand this because if you don't understand it, what will happen is your life will be defined by how much you accumulate, how much you can gather, or your accolades. Listen, living well has nothing to do with wealth. It has nothing to do with cars. It has nothing to do with fame. Living well has everything to do with your relationships and how well you can love God and love people somebody say amen. This is so powerful. This is so true. Yesterday, I was playing basketball over here in West Hollywood at a park, and we were playing with a bunch of Zoe guys, and uh, we are playing with all these dudes, and we couldn't get this one dude off the court, and he, you know, he's got a wild afro, and he's really loud. I love loud people, because if he's loud, I'm getting loud, so we just loud together, and so he's talking trash. I'm talking trash. We're talking the whole time. We couldn't get a W off of him. One of the games that he beat us, he hit a game winner. When he hit the game winner, he was like, yeah! He's like, I want it all. Cars, money, women, what? I was like, did you just win the game and quote Little Wayne? This is so weird. But, he, but what, what he's saying is what the world defines as success. The world says if you got money and you got cars and you've got got stuff, then you, you're living well. Jesus is saying the opposite. The Bible is saying your life is defined by your love. The way that you love God and you love people will actually be the quality of your living. Your living stems out of your loving. Your loving determines your living. You cannot separate these two. If you want to live well, you have to love well. So you say, well, if that's what I have to do, if that is the prerequisite, if that is the standard, what is love? Now, I gave you a working definition. Love, by definition, is choosing the better for the other person, choosing the best for the other person. Let me give you another way to say it. It's what the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Watch what the Bible says about the definition of what love looks like. Watch this. If you're married, don't elbow the person next to you a bunch of times while we read this. Thank God I'm up on this stage and that woman can't get my rib cage. Come on. <laughs> Love is patient. That just, Paul could have dropped the mic. What? That's hard. It's hard to be patient when someone doesn't act the way you want them to. It's hard to be patient when someone's on the journey. It's hard to be patient when someone, someone doesn't see what you see. The first thing that love is, is love is patient. Why did Paul start with patience? Because he knows how hard and important it is in relationships. He says, love is patient. Then he could have dropped the mic off the second one. Love is patient, love is kind. Stop already. This is hard stuff. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, does not dishonor. Other translations say it's not rude. Love is not rude. Rihanna can be rude. You cannot be rude. <laughs> it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. This is why I'm thankful that I'm up here on the stage so Julia can't be like, see, the Bible said you can't keep record of my wrongs. <laughs> keeps no record of love. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love, it always protects, it always trusts. In other words, stop there real fast. You cannot love someone and not trust them. 
Loving them is trusting them, trusting that God will speak to them, trusting that the Holy Spirit is their pastor, trusting that all things are going to work together for the good. Love is trust. In fact, I will say you will always stay in shallow relationships if you're a person that is reluctant to trust. Most people that have trust issues have experienced broken trust, but you know that God can heal that issue of your life so that you can once again begin to trust people. People almost started clapping because you know how true that is. God wants to heal that area of your life so you can be someone that trusts. Love always trusts. Love, it always hopes. It always perseveres. Love, verse eight, it never, isn't that powerful? It'll never let you down. Love never fails. So the Bible is saying for you and I that all of our living, it comes from our loving. If you want to live well, you must love well. You cannot separate these two. It's my goal. I have a friend of mine that made these bracelets. He gave it to a few of our friends. And we have this pack, this model, this crew. We have made a decision off of the observation of others that have gone before us. And we've watched the damage and the things of bitterness and unforgiveness and unfulfillment and all these things that have happened to some people that have gone before us. And one of my friends went out. He made these bracelets for a group of us. On the bracelet, it says BA70. BA70, better at 70. And our goal, the pact we're making together as friends, is I am going to be better at 70 than I am today. I'm 37 years old, I have three children, one wife, four chest hairs. And at 70, I'm believing I'm going to be better at 70 than I am today. That means I'm going to live really well. I'm going to be fulfilled. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be excited. My relationships will be intact. I'm not going to walk around with disappointment and bitterness and weirdness. I'm not going to go sideways. I'm not going to sideways. I'm not going to go sour. I'm not going to get funky. I'm not going to let bitterness take root. Why? Because I'm determined to live well. You cannot live well and not love well. If you love well, you can live well. Is there anybody here? the noon that wants to live well. Anybody want to be better at 70 than you are today? Listen, let me just say something very clearly. You being better at 70 has nothing to do with your 401k or your bank, bank account. You being better at 70 has nothing to do with how many followers you have on social media. You being better at 70 has everything to do with the relationships that you steward with here on this earth, both with God and man. Our living decides our loving. So if I'm going to live really well, I have to love really well. It's interesting to me, and I kind of alluded to this thought and this truth earlier, but the reason why most people have a problem with loving well is because they've been hurt, they've been betrayed, they've been abandoned, they've been abused, they've been misused. And so that affects our relationships and loving. So write down the second point, this is so true. In order for me to give love, I must first receive love. So to give love, I, I first, I have to receive love. Jesus said it this way. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I cannot give to my neighbor what I do not do for myself. Let me say it this way. If you are harsh and critical of yourself, you will be harsh and critical with others. 
If you can't forgive yourself of what you did last summer or the summer before, you will not forgive others, their blemishes and their mistakes. The degree that I use for myself is the degree that I end up using for other people. Now, I love the book of Romans so much. The apostle Paul, who has given us all sorts of epistles, he's written all these letters to different cities and different churches. He wrote to Philippi, he wrote to Thessalonica, he wrote to the church in Corinth, he wrote to all these different churches. One of my favorite writings of the apostle Paul is what he wrote to Rome. He wrote to Rome, the book of Romans. In Romans, he lays for us a groundwork that you and I, by faith in Jesus, now in Jesus, you and I, we have become now righteous in front of God. No matter your sin, no matter your blemishes, no matter your failures, because of the blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus, anybody thankful today that you are now the righteousness of God? So Paul says unbelievable things in the book of Romans. Romans chapter four, Romans chapter five, talks about a hope that doesn't disappoint. In Romans chapter eight, verse one, he says something so powerful. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus for what the law of sin and death could not produce, the law of liberty has now. Now he lays all this groundwork to land in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you therefore brethren, in view of the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice before God. He says, this is your holy and acceptable, your reasonable act of service. Or another translation, your reasonable response to grace. How do we respond to grace? We give God our lives. God doesn't just want your money. God doesn't just want your time. God doesn't want a portion of you. God wants all of you. So he says, the way that you respond to grace or you respond to the good news is you give God your life. Now he says all that to in verse nine, Romans 12, verse nine, he starts talking about loving other people. Watch what he says. We're going to read from the message translation. Watch how the Apostle Paul lays a groundwork, a to-do list of relationships for you and I. Watch what it says. It says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. I got fake friends showing fake love. Don't fake it. It's funnier than your laugh. Anyways, run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master. Cheerfully expect it. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Can I just stop and say this about prayer real fast? Whoever prays the most will love the most. Prayer is, it allows you to be a person of love. So he says, pray at heart at all times. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Ain't nothing worse than somebody that's stuck up. He said, don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. D don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Uh, our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person a Chipotle lunch. Make sure no E. coli. Or if he's thirsty, get him a Sprite drink like LeBron. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Come on. Paul is telling us if you want to Live well, 
You've got to love well. Let me give you five things that Paul was talking about here. Five loves, five different things that you need to love. Here's the first kind of love. You need affectionate love, affectionate love. Like I'm talking about, you know how I ran in, I grabbed my son this morning and I, and I held him and I kissed you and I hold him. You, you need affectionate love, affectionate friendships, affectionate, be more affectionate. Some of us, you're so ice cold and you're so standoffish and nobody get close to you. If you got real friends and you got people in your circle, you, you, you know, the people that are closest to you, they should hear that the most. I love you. I'm committed to you. I'm for you. I would take a bullet for you. They show some affection in your friendships. Somebody say amen. Affectionate love. Write down number two. Another thing he's talking about is honoring love. You know what will cripple your future and hold you hostage to your destiny? Is a person that has dishonor. Dishonor is one thing in your closet that every time you put it on, it looks awful on you. Dishonor is the opposite of honor, of course. But dishonor, what it begins to do is it treats people familiar. It treats people with disdain. Dishonoring somebody's putting somebody down. Dishonoring is comments that you leave on social media. Don't get me started. Dishonoring is a real problem in our issue. You want to look good as someone that loves others? Honor your boss. You might say in life, who do I honor? You can honor three places. We honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. We honor up. I honor my pastors. I have pastors. I honor my pastors. I honor the people that, you know what, no matter who becomes the president of the United States, we honor the office of the president of the United States. I honor people that are in authority. I honor the policemen. I honor the fireworkers. Come on, I honor the teachers of Bancroft. Anybody think we should honor up? You know, for most people, they have a problem with authority so they don't know how to honor up. You gotta get good at honoring up. And then we honor down. In other words, ain't nothing worse than somebody that has people below them, whether you're an employer or whether you have people that are under your leadership and you treat people awesome here and you treat people poor here. That is a reflection of a poor soul. That is an immature life that you can, you only honor up, but you not honor down. We work hard for the people that work hard for us. Don't worry, it's just lightning. We're fine, we're inside honor up, honor down, and they honor all around. We honor the, the waitress and the barista at Starbucks, and we honor the people over there, and we just honor every, it just looks good on you to honor. So that's the next one. Write down number three, a love that is sincere. He's talking about a sincere love, like it's genuine, it's in you, it's from you, it's, it's, it's on the core of who you are. It's, it's, it's not fake, it's not put on. There is nothing worse than someone that pretends like they're loving, but really on the inside, they are not loving. You ever experienced somebody like this? They, they have all of the verbiage of love, but they don't have any of the authenticity of love. This is a man in the Bible named Judas. Judas had all of the right words and all of the wrong heart. Love is a heart issue. Don't be someone that loves insincerely. But people can sense it when it's fake. They can, they can discern it when it's not real. Because when it is real, you know when someone's for you. You know when someone's with you. And so make sure that when you love, you love from a sincere place. Here's the next one, number four. A love that is sympathetic. That is sympathizing. So watch what happens here. He says in this section, he says, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Now let's just look at these two very quickly. This is a sympathetic love. We rejoice with those that rejoice and we weep with those that weep. You know one of the things I love about rejoicing with those that rejoice is that you're happy for other people's success. When other people in your world start being successful, you're not threatened by their success. 
In fact, you're convinced that you take part and portion of their success. An immature life says, I am threatened by your success. Your success threatens mine. But maturity says, man, I'm telling you what, if you win, I win. Julia preached so brilliantly on Thursday night. On Thursday night at her night, I'm telling you, I was in the front row. I was shouting her down. I was taking notes on my iPhone. I mean, I was, she preached so brilliant. The last point of her message was so profound. Listen to what she told all of the ladies at her night. Her last point, point number 10, she said, you know what, ladies? She said, well, this is what a her woman looks like. She said, her win is my win. What a thought. When you start to say, you, when you succeed, I succeed. You know, in life, you ought to start believing that our destinies are tied together. When someone in your world starts taking off, you say, that's a part of my destiny. I'm not threatened by it. So I rejoice with those who rejoice and I weep with those that weep. Can I be honest with you? It is much easier for us as a society to rally around brokenness and disdain and hurt. It is much easier for us to do this one than it is for us to do that one. But when you grow in love, you can rejoice with those that rejoice and you can weep with those that weep. Yeah, last Sunday on Heart for the House Sunday, we have a couple here that I love so much. Uh, you got to hug them if you see them. Chad and Natalie Narayan. They are fantastic. They are the best of the best. And yesterday was Natalie Narayan's birthday. She turned 30 years old. Is that right? 30? She turned 30 years old yesterday. And, um, and they're, they're just amazing. Well, you know, as friends, you ever have a friend and, and they go through a season where it just feels like it keeps getting worse? Like I'm talking about like one bad report and then another thing. And then you're like, God, don't let anything else happen. And then another thing. And I'm just, I'm telling you, when my friends go through something, my heart hurts anybody else. And so last Sunday on Heart for the House Sunday, we want to give them something. So I called them up to the office and I just, we I handed them an envelope just to bless them and say, we love you and we're for you. And we're believing this whole thing's going to turn around. And so when I hand them the envelope, because I know what's gone on in their world, I hand the envelope and I'm telling you, I just started to cry. And you know, sometimes in church you can keep a sophisticated cry <laughs> you ever get to church and you get the ugly cry going when the ugly cry goes there's no looking back you might as well just embrace it so I just started the ugly cry I was like yo give me a moment I love y'all oh god I started crying I'm like I'm sorry and can, can I tell you what overwhelmed me in my emotions as I felt their burden I wasn't feeling sorry for them I could feel their pain and love is is something that comes over you you rejoice genuinely with those that are rejoicing you weep with those that weep and lastly love right down the field love that's united and I'm telling you, there is nothing more powerful than a unified house, than a unified church, than a unified team. Can I encourage you, if you're a parent here today, you ought to start bringing the family together for a family meeting. Start getting a family huddle going around. I remember my dad, used he used to do this all the time. We'd have family meetings. I hated the family meetings. Anybody else? I don't want to go to no family meeting, but we come to the family meeting. I heard Bishop Jake say the other day, he said, a family that doesn't huddle together will never score a touchdown together. You got to 
get the family together and get on the same page and get some unity in the house. Remember, division comes from multiple visions. You need one vision. You need to be unified around the one thing we're doing. Come on, somebody praise God today. If you believe that Zoe Church is unified, one spirit, one mind, one heart, one goal. Come on, you can praise better than that. If you believe we are unified, the Bible says wherever unity is, there's a commanded blessing. It says how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity and we praise the Lord. It said it will be like the oil that drips down from Aaron's beard and that is where God commands a blessing. You want a blessing in your world? Get unified. Get unified in your household. Get unified in your finances. Get unified in your school. Get unified in your world. Don't have division. Get one vision. Come on, anybody thankful today that God is a God of unity? Come on, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is in one. They're not fighting for attention. It's all about Jesus. And so all of our living comes from our loving and we cannot give love if we don't receive love. Now watch the last and the final point. I love this point so much. Number three, your love for others, if you really think about it, is a result. It's a direct correlation of your love for God. Like, let me explain it this way. The more I love God, the more I naturally begin to love people. The more I get vertical with God, the more he makes me horizontal with others. The greater I have of a passion for Jesus is a greater burden he gives me for a passion for his people. All of my loving for people is just a result of my love for God. Because God said, if I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then I will love my neighbor as myself. You cannot love God and hate others. You cannot love God and have a disdain for humanity. Watch what the Bible says here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. Watch what God says through the, through the apostle John. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. It's not going to come on the screen. Oh, there it is. 4, verse 8, sorry. Now, whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. So in other words, if you got an issue loving people, it means you have an issue in your relationship with God. Because the more that you love God, the more you're going to love people. It's an it's amazing thing. that You ever notice this, that when you love somebody, you love what they love? When you really love somebody, I, like on Saturdays, I love college football. I watch college football. And, and did our number four Washington Huskies win yesterday against number 17? Utah, yes, we did. Thank you very much. And, um, and so thank you very much. <laughs> Do you like apples? How you like them apples? And so um, but I, got, I got friends that love Ohio State University. And so inadvertently, because I love them, I follow Ohio State University. I got friends that love uh, Tennessee and they, they're crazy Vol fans. And so because I love my friend in Tennessee, I'll, I'll, I end up loving them. I got friends that root, they're passionate, they're sold out Florida Gator fans. And, and because I love this person that loves Florida Gators, I, I, I follow the Florida Gators. Because I love this person, I love what they love. You cannot love God and not love his creation. You cannot fall in love with God and not fall in love with his people. The more you love God, the more he bends the arrows of your heart out towards others. So my love for others is only a result of my love for God. I love this about God. The more I get excited about the gospel and who Jesus is, God does not increase my love for the gospel alone. He increases my burden for his people more. Some of you just want to love God. I want to love God. Man, I love God so much. Man, God's my best. I love, I love God. Man, I hate Christians, man. I hate Christians so much. Christians suck. Yo, I love church. I hate church people. 
Yo, man, I love God so much. God's the best. Yo, but man, my, I, I hate my pastors. Hey, you cannot love God and not receive a burden for his people because our loving of others is simply a result of our love for God. Anybody thankful today that God is bending the arrows of our hearts out so we can be sent to a city of Los Angeles that now more than ever needs the love of Jesus Christ. Come on, I think we can applause and thank the Lord that God is speaking to us in a powerful and a profound way. Worship team, why don't you come join me? That God is really saying to us as a church, and please hear me, we're ending this whole thought sent to the city. We're ending this whole thought sent to the city with, I believe, one of the earmarks of this series that God wants to say one last thing to us before we head out on mission, before we head out to change the city, that God is starting with the premise of our actions. He's really saying, don't you go out and start doing all this work without the premise of love. Love will be the thing that drives this. If you love them the way that I love them. Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus was so good at this. I, he's just sitting at a well trying to get a drink of water and he encounters this woman. He reads her mail, changes her life forever. You realize that she was a Samaritan woman? You realize that when they started the conversation, they were on such different political planets that she couldn't even grasp why a Jewish man would be talking to her? And yet Jesus loved her so much right where she was at, changed her world, she went home. She said, I met a man today that changed my life. Jesus loved a woman. She was caught in the middle of an adulterous affair in the very act. And right where she was, everybody else wanted to stone her, didn't they? But what did Jesus do? He loved her right where she was. He said, neither do I forget, uh, condemn you of your sins. Go and sin no more. He loved her. Jesus loved a man who was so demon-possessed, they called him legion because he had so many demons in his life. He loved a man named Blind Bartimaeus. One time he was walking by this guy. He could hear the desperation and the need for a healing in his life. He walked over to this guy. He has no eyesight. His name's Bartimaeus. Jesus touches his life and he heals him right on the spot. Everywhere Jesus went. In fact, the Bible says in the book of John that there would not be enough books written in the entire world to hold all the testimonies and stories of people that Jesus loved. Jesus changed this world, not by condemning it, not by telling how bad it is. Jesus changed this world by dying on a cross for the love of the world. Come on, anybody thankful today that Jesus loves you? Come on, Zoe, anybody thankful today that Jesus Christ, he loved you in your brokenness and loved you in your sin. And then Jesus says something so powerful in John 13. He's been loving people in affairs and people that have been with six dudes and demon-possessed and the blind. And he's been loving people. And watch what he says in John 13. He says, a new command I give to you now, that you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus is flipping the script. He's saying no longer will you have to be concerned about this law and that law and this law and that law. But if you'll be someone that loves God and loves people, you will fulfill all the commandments and all the prophets of old. Come on, a new command I give you, that you love one another. And this is how we'll know 
We will not know that you're a Christian by your church attendance. We will not know you're a Christian by your heart for the house offering. We will not know that you're a believer because you listen to podcasts. We will know that you're a believer by the way you love one another. This is how we'll know that you're a disciple. Come on, anybody at Zoe Church, you want to answer the question, I know who I love. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, and I love my neighbor as myself. Oh, come on, Zoe, if you love God today, why don't you give him a little bit of praise today and tell the Lord how much you love Thanks him. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.